Well, it was recently I was talking to an older gentleman, and as we were dialoguing and talking, he said these words to me. He said, Herbert, I'm at a place in my life that I realize that all my dreams won't come true. And he began to share mistakes that he's made in life. He began to talk about opportunities that he missed out on in life. And those words just really, really hit me. All my dreams, I'm at a place that I know all my dreams won't come true. And, and what he was basically telling me is, Herbert, throughout life, you know what, Herbert, I, I've had opportunities to sit it out or dance. And when I look back at my life, I wish I would have danced. And every single one of us have opportunities like that because life brings opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And we all have a choice. And some of you are facing opportunities today. And you have the opportunity to sit it out or to dance. I think about my life. I have been faced with opportunities just like you have to sit it out or dance. And I remember when I was in junior high school. And when I was in in middle school, I was playing baseball and I didn't like the baseball coach. He was on my nerves. I didn't like what he was doing. Any any of you ever do that in junior high? You know, you thought you knew more than the coaches knew. You know what I mean? Come on. I know more than they know. He didn't know what he's doing. And and I didn't like it. So I went home and and I told my dad, dad, I want to quit the baseball team. I'm just going to quit. I don't want to play baseball anymore. And and my dad told me, Herbert, listen to me. No, you're not quitting the baseball team. You're going to finish out the season. You're going to finish out your commitment. And as I look back over my life, I realized my dad was teaching me something. When life gets hard, when, when things don't go my way, it, I can't just quit every time things don't go my way when life is hard. And as I look back as an adult, I'm glad when I have the opportunity to sit it out or dance, I'm glad my daddy made me dance. It taught me something about life and commitment. I, I remember when I went to college in Arkansas my freshman year, and it was a difficult time. There were some challenges going back home or going on back home with my family. And I, I wanted to go back home. I, I was missing my friends. I was missing we woke up my, my hometown. I, I wanted just to kind of go back and quit college and go back home and, and hang out with my friends. And, and now that I look back and, and, and I'm 36 years old and I look back over my life and that season of my life, can I tell you that I'm glad when I had an opportunity to sit it out or dance? I'm glad that I stayed in college and I danced and I got my education. And matter of fact, we woke up as dead anyways. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I danced. I, I think about when, in 2001 when, when my wife and I had been traveling for several years uh, on the road as evangelists, as, as traveling ministers preaching around the, the country. And God spoke to me clearly driving from Tulsa, Oklahoma, back to Missouri where we were living at the time to plant a church. And, and we had an opportunity to sit it out because things were going well. God was blessing our traveling ministry. Our schedule was full. It, it was very fruitful. God was using us in in a great way in our traveling ministry. And so in the natural mind, it made no sense to transition to go start a church. But I look back nine years later after starting People's Church when we had the opportunity to sit it out or dance, and I'm sure glad we danced. I'm glad we danced and we started People's Church nine years ago. I, I remember when we started the church in 2002, two years later, when we were meeting at the Quell Springs Mall in the AMC Theater, and, and we were running about 400 people or so 
soul and, and we have the opportunity to buy 50 acres of land and build our first building. And, and I, I'm glad that, that, that back in 2004 when we were filling that challenge from the Lord that, that we, we could have set it out, but I'm glad that we danced and we built, bought this 50 acres. We built our first building. We, we built our second facility since then. And we have grown to thousands of people that are worshiping and lives are being changed because I'm glad we didn't sit it out, but we decided to dance. And now as a nine-year-old church, It'd be easy for us to high-five, belly bump, talk about how good God's been to us, pat each other on the back. Ooh, hadn't God been good to us? God has just blessed us in great ways. And it'd be easy for us to sit it out and to relax. But I'm glad that we are a church that we've decided God's not done with us yet, and we've decided to dance. And in April, I cast vision to you and told you that we're launching a new campus and Midwest City, the preview experience is next Sunday. Many of you will be at it at 10 and 11.30. And then the grand opening is the following week, the same service times on August the 21st when we're inviting the entire community for the grand opening. And, and I'm, dis- I'm glad that People's Church, that we have decided not to sit it out, but we've decided to dance. And when I think about your life and your family and your career and the thing that God is speaking to you about, whether it's in the business world or in a, starting a new business, business or, or, or your career path or to trust again or to love again or to get married or God is speaking to you. And my hope and my prayer is that when God is speaking, when God is leading, that you don't sit it out, but that you'll dance. You will dance. And I, I want to talk to you about a group of people in the Bible that were presented with an opportunity to sit it out or dance, and they chose to sit it out. And I want to talk to you about this group of people. I like to preach from this portion of Scripture once or twice a year because it, it motivates me. It encourages me. It really is an inspiring portion of Scripture to me. Israel was in bondage for 400 years in Egypt. And, and God brought them through out of Egypt by his mighty hand. And they were in the desert. And God's plan for, for Israel was to take them to the promised land. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a good land, a spacious land where they could settle down, where they could build houses. Where, where, where they could raise their family. And, and so God wanted to take them to this land. And so Israel picked one person from each tribe, 12 men, to go spy out the land and bring back a report. And let me share the report to you. They brought back 10 of the spies. Numbers 13 and verse 31 says, But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report, a negative report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all all the people we saw there were of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And these 10 spies spread a bad report in Israel, they said, we cannot do it. Those people are giants. We cannot go take the land. And I want you to notice Israel's response. A million plus people, the Bible says their response in Numbers chapter 14 and verse number one, it says, that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Now, this amazes me. They haven't seen those giants. They haven't even seen the land. And here they are crying and weeping. Oh, we can't go. And they're grumbling. I mean, they haven't even seen it yet. 
They hadn't seen one giant yet. And, and they're complaining and grumbling, and they go on to say, and Moses and Aaron, and, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? And these people wanted to stay where they were in the desert, or they wanted to go back to Egypt. You know what amazes me? And you know what I learned from this? I learned how powerful giants can be in our life. They heard about the giants. They heard about the obstacles. And so now they don't want to go and receive God's best. They don't want to go to the promised land. Can I tell you, this shows me how powerful fear can be in our lives. When we let fear control us, when we let fear grip our hearts, it can keep us from taking the promised land. You know what this also teaches me? It teaches me that negative people can mess you up. Can I tell you, you got to be careful who you hang around. You got to be careful who you share your dreams with. Ten, ten negative people influenced over a million plus people not to go to the promised land. Ten, be, be careful who you hang around. Be careful who you share your dreams with because people are quick to throw cold water on your fire. Well, that's not going to work. It didn't work for me. Why, there's giants over there. You're going to die. You're going to lose your house. It's not going to work. I mean, negative Negative. Matter of fact, it goes on to say in this portion of Scripture, our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Really? I mean, you ain't even seen it. Now they're going to take your wives from you. They're going to take our wives and our kids. It goes on to say, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And you know what, what, what grips my heart here as I read this? Is that their memories were more powerful than their dreams. They were focused on Egypt. And can I tell you, I don't ever want, as a man of God, as a child of God, I don't ever want to get to a place where my memories are more powerful than my dreams. Can I tell you, as the pastor of this church, I don't ever want to get to a place as the pastor of this church where our memories are more powerful than our dreams. I mean, listen, even when I'm 80, 85, 90 years old, listen, I plan on living a long time if the Lord tarries. You know what I'm saying? A long time. And when I'm not, listen, I don't, even at that stage of life, I may not be getting around all that well, but I don't want my memories to be more powerful than my dreams. Hey, I might not be dreaming for myself, but I'm dreaming through my kids. I'm dreaming through my grandkids. By that time, I got some great, great grandkids. I'm dreaming, man. God's got great things for the Cooper family. I said, I don't ever want to get to a place where my memories are more powerful than my dreams. And their memories had become more powerful than they, their dreams. And then they said, hey, let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Hello, Israel. You don't need a leader to go back to Israel. Just go on back. Just get you a follower and go back. You don't need a leader to take you back to where you've been. You need a leader to take you forward. You need a leader to help you overcome your fears. You need a leader that says, we can handle the giants. God is with you. You don't need a leader to go back. Anybody can take you back. You need a leader that says, come on. Let's go. God has more. That's, that's a leader. You don't need a leader to go back. And then the Bible Continues to talk about in those next six verses how Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua fell to their knees and tore their clothes. And they begin to plead with Israel. Israel, we can do this. God is with us. Don't upset the Lord. 
don't, 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 don't go your own way. Let's follow the Lord. And, and they begin to plead with the nation of Israel. Let's do what God's called us to do. And the Bible says in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 10, their response to their leaders was, but the whole assembly talked about stoning them. They wanted to kill them. I mean, th- this is the same Moses that said, hey, put the blood over your doorpost and, and, and the death angel will pass your house in the book of, of, of Exodus. It's the same Moses who led a million plus people through, through the Red Sea on dry ground. It's the same Moses that's seeing manna come down from. It's the same Moses who has led them out of slavery for years and years and years. And now they want to kill him. People can be something else, can't they? Amen. Uh, some of y'all might want to kill me. I don't think so. I don't think. But it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. They wanted to kill Moses. And, and then the Bible says in Numbers 14 and verse 20, I encourage you this week, I really do, this week, read Numbers 13, chapter 13 and chapter 14. I don't have time to go through the whole story, so I'm just kind of unpacking it for you, not reading all the verses. But, but right here, picking up in Numbers chapter 20, this is after Moses had pleaded with God to forgive Israel. God, forgive Israel. They've sinned. They've messed up. They, 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 they've tested you, but forgive them. And verse 20 says this, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, I want you to see this, nevertheless. You see, just because we're forgiven doesn't mean we'll receive God's best. You see, you can be a Christian and, and miss out on God's best. Sometimes we think, well, I'm a Christian. I love God. I can do what I want to do and kind of go where I want to go, and God will just bless me. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. God says, yeah, I forgive them, but, but, but they've chosen to sit instead of dance. And there's consequences when you choose to sit it out instead of, of dance. You, you miss out on my best. And the Bible says, nevertheless, as surely as I lived and live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on earth on, on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. He said, they're not going. Yeah, I forgive them, but they're not going to the promised land. And then two verses later, God says this to Israel, Numbers 14, verse 25. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valleys. Can I tell you, these next three words mess with me all week. They really have. They just mess with me. It says, God says this, turn back tomorrow. You're not going forward. Just going back, going back in the desert. Just, wow. I forgive you, but, but going back and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. And, and, and then the Bible says this, in, 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 just several verses later in Numbers 14 and, and verse number 39. It says, when Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. And what had happened here in the preceding verses is that, is that those 10 spies who spread that negative report, that same night, they, they all died. All 10 spies. And the Bible says that Israel wept. They mourned bitterly. Verse number 40, early the next morning, the very next morning, they went up toward the hill country. And they said, we have sinned, they said. We will go up to the place the Lord promised. Israel said, Lord, we want to go now. We saw what you did to the mother 10 people. Lord, we 
them folks are dead, Lord. I, Lord, we want to go now. We want to go. Take us, please, Jesus. Listen, we, 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 listen, God, we will go to the place the Lord promised. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. And the very next day, Israel tried to go take the promised land. The Lord was no longer with them, and they were defeated by their enemies. The, the previous day, they could go, but they said, no, we want to sit. We don't want to dance. The next day, they want to dance, but they, I'm going to preach a message one time called, Don't Miss Your Season. Don't miss your season. The door was open. There's a promised land for you. God wants to bless you. God wants to take it to the next level. Now, God, I'm going to sit it out. And they missed the promised land. And an entire generation died walking around the wilderness and never made it to the promised land. Only two people made it. The two positive spies, Caleb and Joshua. And come on, this church is full of Caleb and Joshua's. Come on, we're full of people that are going to the promised land that's going to receive God's best for our lives. And, and let me talk to you about Caleb and Joshua for a moment. It says, Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. It says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. The Bible says Caleb had a different spirit. See, Caleb and Joshua didn't let fear control them. Caleb and Joshua, they saw the obstacles and the giants because they were real. They were there, but they didn't let the obstacles and the giants paralyze them from moving forward for what God had for their life. They didn't let the 10 negative spies, and they were outnumbered. It was just two of them, 10 negative spies, and now a million plus people who said, we cannot do it, but they stood and said, listen, we can. God is with us. We can go. They, didn't, they weren't influenced by the negative people, and you know what Caleb and Joshua realized? They had a different spirit. They realized, listen, God is bigger than any giant. God is bigger than any obstacle. Listen, the Lord is with us, and since God is with us, God can help us defeat the giants. God can help us defeat, overcome the obstacles. The God is with us. They had a different spirit. And people's church, I want to say to you, in your life, because God is speaking to some of you about your life, your family, your career, the business, the ministry opportunity, God is speaking to you. And the opportunity is there. And I'm simply saying to you, you have the chance to sit it out or to dance. I hope you dance. I hope you'll dance. I want to talk to us for the next few moments as a collective church, as a whole body. I want to talk to you about the season that we're in, getting ready to go to Midwest City. And I want to talk to you about some vision for the next few moments because I want us to dance. I want us to all dance. The point number one is this. Let's dance by committing to attend the Midwest City campus. Committing to attend the Midwest City campus. And I want to give you some numbers today. I thank the Lord that over 400 people have already committed to attend the Midwest City campus. And I say praise the Lord for your vision and your heart and, and, and your passion to see more changed lives. And, and I want to say to you today, I'm, I, I, I just want to put it out there because I really believe in God for it. I'm, I'm believing God for another 100 or 200 people today to dance, to commit to attend the Midwest City campus. And here's what I know. I know for some of you, it's a huge step of faith. It's, it's, it's messing with you. It's out of your comfort zone. You're thinking, you know what, pastor? I don't really want to watch you on video over there at Midwest City. I want to come here and watch you live. 
Pastor, you're more handsome live. I mean, I get it. I, I, I hear you. I, I, get, I get the pushback. I, pl- please know I get it. And I'm not beating you up today. I'm not condemning you because I understand it. I, I, I really do understand and, and, and really, really do get it. You know, I'm not going to get up and say, you don't love Jesus if you don't go to Midwest City. I'm not going to say that. I, I might want to say it, but I'm not going to say that to you. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not about condemnation. It's not, it's not, it's not what it's about. You know, I realize some of you, 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 you may not go because you've been hearing, you know, negative talk, like these 10 negative folks. You may, maybe you're hearing negative things like, you know, girl, I'm not going to Midwest City. I tell you, Pastor, I'm not going. I'm not going to be watching no video. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I don't know. You, 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 you really think about going, well, I'm not going. You're going by yourself then. I ain't going. Man. I mean, I get it. I get it. Man. Or maybe somebody in the community is saying to you, you go to that people's church, people, oh, and at that church that did that Beyonce thing last year, come on, put a ring on it. You, yeah, you go to that, mm-hmm, I know about that church. That, that passes of the devil over there. You go to that church over there. I tell you, not looking now, you're talking about going to Midwest City. Come on, you can go to Midwest City. You're going to play a video and have church over there. I, I tell you, you drink the Kool-Aid, don't you, over there. I tell you, you believe anything. That man tell you, don't you? You believe anything. I mean, I get it. I know. Please trust me. I know. And I I get it. And hear my heart today. Here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, would you look beyond yourself? And would you try to really see this through the eyes of God? Because listen, I'm selfish just like you. And you know what? We want what we we want. And we want what we like. And we want uh, us to feel right and feel catered to. And and I I get all that. But I'm asking you, would you look beyond you? And would you die to yourself? And to everything that you want. And would you see it through the eyes of God? That there are more people who need Jesus. And we have an opportunity before us to see more changed lives. And you can be a huge part of it. And don't you hate it right now that the Holy Spirit's messing with some of y'all right now? You're like, get off me, Holy Spirit. Quick, to stop. Back off. But I'm saying, let the Holy Spirit work. Look beyond yourself. And I'm asking for many of you to grab that Midwest City card in the back of your seat pocket, a commitment card, and to sign up at least at the end of the year and make a commitment to help us see more changed lives. Listen, people's church, here's all I'm saying. There's an opportunity that is before us, and we can sit it out or we can dance. And I'm simply saying, people's church, people's church, I hope you, I hope you dance. I hope you dance. Number two is this. There, there's, a, there's a second point I want to share with you, and that is this. Let's dance by serving in a ministry, by, by serving in a ministry. And, and, and I'm not sharing this because, man, we're struggling and we're hurting. Uh, you know, our, our ministries are pretty much at a healthy place at both campuses, and thank you for responding. But, but there are many of you that need to jump on the team. And, and, and here, here's the mentality that I'm fighting against. And it's just not in people's church in Oklahoma City. It's all around the world, and I just disagree with the mentality. And the mentality is this, that church is a restaurant. That's how a lot of people, a lot of people view church. It's, it's a restaurant. You know, I like going to a restaurant. Matter of fact, it was my wife's birthday on, on Friday, and I took her to a nice restaurant. And I, I like, you know, you know, we go once or twice a year, you can go to a nice restaurant. I took her to a nice place, and I love it because they seat you, you know, sit you down, and they bring you your menu. And you don't have to ever get up. Just sit there and look on the menu. Bring me some iced tea. We both got iced tea. And I'm kind of, when I drink tea, I drink a lot of it too, you know. And I'm one of them tea drinkers. When I'm done drinking my glass, I put it at the end of the table where they see it. Just, refill, you know what I mean? 
see the empty glass. Yeah, I don't, I don't hide it. I put it right there where they can see. I want, you know, they're like, you order your meal, and they bring it out to you and bring you some bread and bring you your, your food. And I love, I love when you go to one of those steak joints, and, 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 and they say, Mr. Cooper, would you cut into your steak to see if you like it? And I cut it into it, and they look at it. Nah, it's too pink. Thank you so much. Take it back, cook it some more. I, I love the restaurants, you know what I mean? You know, then I'm thinking, come on now, bring, Bert, would you hurry up back? I need to order my dessert. You're taking too long. I'm thinking, what, 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 where's the waiter? Where's the waitress? You know, because, man, we're getting served. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then, and then, and then sometimes, have you ever had a waiter or a waitress that's just bothering you? You're thinking, you're coming too much. Would you leave us alone so we can talk? Where's your manager? You're just bugging me. I didn't come here to talk to you. I mean, you know, you know restaurants. That's how a lot of people treat church. Like it's a restaurant. And they come and they sit down. Well, serve me. Serve me. Serve my kids. Serve my teenagers. I just better like it all. I'm here to be served. I don't like that. I'm going to tell the manager. Come here, manager. I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to do anything, but I don't like it. Change it. We, we treat church like it's a restaurant. Like, like we come just to be served and to take care of me. It's just about me. And can I tell you, church is not a restaurant. Church is a family. We're, we're, we're the family of God. And church is not a restaurant. It's a family dinner. Can I tell you, I don't know about your family dinners. Let me tell you about my family dinners, all right? In the Cooper house, my mama did most of the cooking. She, she would cook and throw down a, a, a meal. And, and most of the time when we ate around the dinner table, us kids would help set up the dinner, dining room table. We'd put the silverware out and the plates out. We, man, we all had our part. And then, and, then, and then when we sat down to eat, eat, eat at, 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 the, at the dining room table, you know, I better not go, Mama, can you get up and give me some seconds? She might pull, pull a shoe off and throw it. Boy, you better get up and get you some seconds. You know, Mama, can you get me something to drink? Mama, please get up and give me something to drink. Cause, you know, and the preferred, preferred drink at our house was Kool-Aid, red Kool-Aid. <laughs> Uh, extra sugar, you know what I mean? I like, I, I, with the sugar, kind of, you can see it at the bottom still. You know what I'm saying? That's my kind of Kool-Aid. My mama wasn't getting up to get you no more Kool-Aid. You got up yourself. This is home. It's a family dinner. Get up and get you some Kool-Aid if you, if you want some Kool-Aid. And, and, and when, when we were done, done, done eating and, and hanging out around the table, man, we, we helped all clear the table off. You ain't want to go run and go lay down and lay on the floor. You know, we all got stuff off the table, took it to the kitchen, and put it in the dishwasher. I just lied because we were the dishwashers in my house. You know what I mean? I want no dishwasher in the Cooper house. No, right here, baby, Don Soap, man. That's why, that's why these hands are still soft today, baby. Right, Don Soap. And me and my brother and sister, we had a rotation. We switched every other day or, 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 or something. Some, we got to a point where you wash one week, I wash the next week. And, and I remember one time, it's only, I only did it once. One time was my week to wash dishes. And I was supposed to wash the dishes, but I was tired that night. And so I put the dirty dishes in the stove. Man, mama woke me up by 530 in the morning. Let the beatings begin. Man, she whooped me and spanked me. And I was cool. All right, I cried, so she stopped. You know, ah! Uh, so she would stop spanking me. And then I started going in the kitchen. She started making me wash the, the pots. And then she stood over me. she never done that before. Stood over me. She'd feel it. Boy, that's not clean yet. That's still greasy. Girl, get, wash that stuff. I'm thinking, Mama, come on. And then she started grabbing stuff out of the cabinets. And that's dirty, too. You wash that. Mama, I got to go to school. I am sorry, Mama. I'll never do it again. It's a family dinner, man. You all, we all had our part. We all had our part. 
And can I tell you, we're a family. And if you come in with the mentality, serve me, you better make me feel good. I better like it to serve my kids. I'm not doing nothing. I'm just going to sit back, bring me my tea. You are missing it. You're missing what church is about. We're a family. And we all have our part. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. That's what we try to do at People's Church, to all people, those who know Christ and those who don't know Christ. We try to create an experience for everybody. This is especially to those who belong to the family. Everybody shout family. Belong to the family of believers. We are a family and we all have our part. And I'm asking you, you have the opportunity to sit it out. And think it's all about you, or you have the opportunity to serve. I hope you dance. Number three is this. Let's dance by tithing and giving. And I want to share with you a financial update. If you're new with us today, this will just let you know what, what's happening at our church as well. I told you at Midwest City when we were getting ready to, to remodel that building that it was going to cost us about $1.5 million. It's going to end up costing us about $1.6 million. And in April, this church made commitments to the Dream Campaign, one-year commitments of right at a million dollars. And over the last three or four months, we've had around $350,000 come into that. And I thank the Lord for that. I praise God for your faithfulness and generosity. And what we knew when we launched this, we already knew the season we were in. And we knew that we were going to get this building done before all the finances came in. And so we secured a $650,000 loan in the meantime so that we could get the building done while we were still giving and getting everything done. And so we knew the summer was coming. And just like 98% of churches at People's Church during the summer, attendance drops some. And y'all go on vacation. I say, praise the Lord. I go too. Amen. Y'all gone. I'm gone too. Amen. Let's go on vacation together. Amen. And so we go on vacation. So attendance drops some. Finances drop some. And we... we we budgeted for that. We knew that was coming. Uh, but, but here's what I'm telling you is that next week when you get over to Midwest City and the lights are nice and the sound is good and, and the kids' rooms are all nice, and we, we, I, I'm even thinking about having you some Krispy Kreme donuts over there. It's just going to be so nice. And you're thinking, well, I don't need to give to the dream anymore. Yes, you do. Amen. <laughs> Seriously, we had to secure a loan to make it happen because we were aggressive about getting this done for more changed lives. And so we want to be able to pay that off. Your faithfulness is so key. And here's, here's what, we want, what we always ask is would you just do your part? Would you hear from, from, from God, do your part? Many of you make commitments. Would, would you honor that commitment and just follow the Lord in that? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians in cha- chapter 8 and verse 10, it says, and here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. He says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others may be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. And you know what I love about God, the system he set up, like, like tithing? One of the things I love about it is that it's equality. It's not about equal giving, but it's about equal sacrifice. And sometimes people can think, well, you know what? I give a whole lot more to the church. I give thousands a year, and this person only gives a hundreds of year, and so I give a whole lot more money than them. And that's just wrong thinking, because can I tell you, whether you make a million dollars a year or 20000 a year, if you're a tither, it's the same amount of sacrifice. I mean, it's the same amount of sacrifice. The person who makes 20 feels just as much as the person who makes 100,000, a million dollars. We all feel it the same. And I love that about God. It's about equality. It's about all of us doing our part. 
and then over and above the tithe. Next Sunday, we are receiving a special dream offering. It'll be a great time for us to catch up after the summer and be faithful to the Lord to give over and above the tithe so that we can finish it out, pay off the debt, finish the building, and see more changed lives. And let me say this to you. And if you're, you're a guest with us, man, I'm not asking you to, to do anything. The Lord leads you. We'd love to have you be a part of it. But I'm, I want you to hear just, just my heart for the next few moments. And that is this. You say, Pastor, the economy's tough and tight. The government was just arguing over a bill, and they barely got it passed in time. The stock market, I mean, recently passed. You know, the stock market's down, and people are losing money. And you're challenging us to tithe and to give. And you know what? I am. Because here's what I, I really believe this. My wife and I practice this. We practice it ever since we've been married, before we were married. I really believe this, Matthew 6, If you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you as well. All these other things people are chasing after and they're killing themselves over, they're committing suicide over because they're chasing. And, and God says, listen, you put me first. You return the tithe. You honor, and, and there are scores of you in this room that would say, Pastor, you're right. You put God first. You honor him. And I challenge you during difficult times. I challenge you more than in prosperous. I challenge you. Put God first. Tithe. Honor him. And watch God provide for all of your needs. God is faithful. God is faithful. And so, and, so, and so I say to you, I say to you, yep, yep, you have the opportunity. You can sit it out and you can say, well, somebody else is going to do their part. Well, somebody else will tithe and resource division. Somebody else will give to the dream. You can sit it out, but you have an opportunity to sit it out or dance. And people's church, I hope you dance.